The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, and this uh, very wet evening on the Friday, the 11th of October. Uh, 2019 corresponding to the 11th of Safar, 11th of Safar, the second month in the Islamic calendar, 1441. As usual, we are broadcasting from uh, Inspire FM, uh, Luton on 105.1 FM, inshallah, and also broadcasting to our sister stations nationally in Sheffield, uh, Violink FM, Peterborough Salam, Derby, Nottingham. And uh, as always, uh, also live uh, Facebook uh, broadcast and stream. Uh, so you are able to follow us via Facebook and of course via the Inspire FM app. Uh, 01582481822. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio for you. All of you keen individuals who want to speak to me and speak to my guests and get involved with our conversation, right? And that's what we always recommend to our listeners. 0779481822. 0779481822 is the number for those of you that don't want to quite speak to me in person but want to share your thoughts via SMS or WhatsApp messages. Either way, you're most, more than welcome. Send in your SMS, send in your WhatsApp. Or speak to me direct and speak to my guest direct tonight as we discuss and debate some of the hot and topical discussions that we're going to be bringing to you, inshallah ta'ala. Right, so what do we have lined up this evening? And just before I go into what we do have lined uh, this evening, we are going to go for a Maghrib Azan at 6.22, so slightly earlier than normal. Uh, so we'll be breaking at 6.22. That only, only gives us about 20 minutes to cover a couple of short stories in the first half of the show. First half of the show, inshallah ta'ala, we want to go into, uh, we want to go straight to Pakistan, hopefully. We're trying to get through to Pakistan at the moment. Uh, to get an update on the Kashmir or on the Kashmir earthquake, the Pakistan earthquake, as you will remember, late September, we want to get an update, inshallah ta'ala. And we have Brother Abdul Qadir from Crisis Aid, who is out in Pakistan, and who's going to be giving us an update in terms of what is the latest situation in Pakistan, how is the relief effort coming along in Pakistan, what is the status on the ground, what is the situation on the ground over the last couple of days. I know Brother Bashara, Brother Bashara, the barrister from Luton, our own very local Luton barrister, uh, Brother Bashara has also been in Pakistan. He's on his way back to the UK. We may be able to get through to him depending on what time he's landed. So we're going to also try that inshallah. But we're going to get an update hopefully from either of the two sources. And I do remember the videos that Brother Bashar has been sharing whilst he's been over in Pakistan in terms of some of the relief camps and uh, some of the pictures from the ground. Uh, it just goes to show that there is a lot of effort that is required, a lot of relief effort that is still required. Your assistance is really, really welcome, right? So hopefully, inshallah, very soon we're going to be trying to get through to Pakistan, through to Abdul Qadir or through to Brother Basharat. Another story that I want to cover, and hopefully we're going to be speaking to our brother uh, Mizano Rashid later, is this very disturbing story that has emerged from Bangladesh, right? Very disturbing story, and it's a, it's a short story we're going to cover, inshallah ta'ala. And that is with regards to um, 
an individual who was actually uh, I mean a brother called a student Abrar Fahad who was beaten up who was beaten up on campus and murdered murdered and it's and it has led to a public outcry in Bangladesh now you know a lot of us will be familiar with the so-called political parties in the Asian subcontinent in fact it's true even of some of the other countries right uh, but they also have these unofficial military wings associated with these uh, with, with these political parties and these so-called thugs are the ones that go around on the streets you know meeting out discipline and punishment to anyone who speaks out against their political leaders and one such incident has been in Bangladesh where one particular very intelligent student mashallah wrote out against the the Sheikh Hasina and her policies and, her, uh, and, and some of her agreements with India and that led to her members of Sheikh Hasina's party attacking this individual leading to his unfortunate demise right a fatality and that's caused an outcry we're going to be speaking to a brother uh, on that later and then of course we're going to be covering also some of the stories other stories that have been making making the headlines uh, of course i mean uh, we, we've seen the events in turkey and syria where turkey has gone into syria now subhanallah i mean it goes to show when they feel like it they can do whatever they like for the last six years the people of syria have been calling out for someone to go and help them I didn't see Turkey making much of a much of a gesture, but suddenly Turkey's found itself in in northern Syria. So what is it doing in northern Syria? It's caused an outcry, and it's caused a lot of you know fatalities already, and a lot of organisations to call out with regards to human rights. Uh, so we're going to be finding out what's the update from that. But let me go straight to Abdul Qadir because we have now got Brother Abdul Qadir online, uh, and I don't want to waste any time, uh, and I want to introduce Brother Abdul Qadir immediately. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, Abdul Qadir. Yes, yes, we can. Uh, Sheikh Jazakallah Heron for, for joining us. We've been trying for the last couple of minutes to get through to you. Uh, mashallah, you're, you're of course in Pakistan. Do, do you want to just give our listeners an update in terms of uh, the, the situation on the ground? Actually, we've just got a couple of minutes and we just want to get a quick update in terms of the, the, the post-earthquake right. relief efforts and uh, where you are and uh, what have you found on, on the on the on the on the ground in Pakistan and what's the current situation uh, Akhi? Okay, so basically, um, what's on the ground happening on the ground now is uh, first you need to ap- appreciate that the situation is nothing like what you probably heard in the news over in UK. All right. Uh, because when I was in UK, I was in two minds whether to even come here or not, thinking that uh, you know Newport was a you know one of the wealthiest parts of Kashmir. Yeah. And lots of, uh, of, the, of the people, of the, of the relatives live in England. And also that uh, the earthquake wasn't that bad. Yes. This was the understanding. Correct. But uh, what happened when I got here is quite the opposite. Where basically you found that 80% of Liverpool has been affected. 80%? 80 Yeah, that's a huge amount. SubhanAllah. That doesn't mean that they're all, that they're all basically... uh, the house that completely um, destroyed all 80%. But what it means is that about 30% of the houses have been very, very badly affected, very badly. Yeah. Of them, about 10, 15% completely destroyed. And right. the homes which have been completely destroyed yeah. are mainly the homes of those poor people yeah. who didn't have enough wealth to actually uh, build the houses properly. 
Mm. So they made simple homes, yes. and these homes are now completely destroyed, turned right. into rubble. So, um, and these people now are living in tents yes. outside their homes, so um, and they're relying on rations. Uh, they're relying on you know people. Winter's coming in two weeks, so they're relying on people to give them to give them blankets and waterproof tarpaulin. Yeah. Uh, there's a massive need here. So I went to the epicenter. I walked completely all around the epicenter, a place called Sang. And right. those from Newton will know the area Sang. It's on a hill. Right. It goes up. And there's also some remote areas like Dhaka and even places like, uh, what's it, Chitrapari. Some people know this, uh, Chitrapari. Right. They know this area. It's been so, affected. So, so, so is it, is, is it more... So, Abdulkadir, brother Abdulkadir, is is it more of the kind of the village areas, and and uh, as opposed to the main city of Mirpur? Is is that what you're telling us? Yes, the show yeah. has also been affected, yeah. but not not as bad as, right. as the other areas. So, so uh, why why do you give an update? What, what's the latest on on the fatalities? And uh, as you said, I mean, definitely that's the impression that we've got here in the UK that it wasn't that bad, low fatalities, uh, and yet there was some let structural. Yep. Yeah. Let me tell you. So basically, we're looking at about uh, roughly about um, 75 deaths now. Right. About uh, 3,000 people being uh, affected in some form. Of, over 3,000. Right. Uh, and uh, sorry, but, sorry, I think pardon. 3,000. Hold on one second. One second. Okay, about 3,000 have been injured. Yeah. 300, 300 million and over 3,000 have been uh, actually uh, lost their homes. Right, right. Some right, some right, right. It's right. a big number, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. There's, there's a number of agencies here yeah. working. Yeah. And they're doing good work, alhamdulillah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, it, they, they need support. Yeah. You know, a new agencies coming over here uh, now, I don't think, is, uh, is the best way forward. Right. But... The, well, what, what, what the present agencies that are here, like Crisis Aid and Muslim, and Muslims yeah. in, and Muslim Hands and others who are here on the ground, they should be supported right. through financial donations. Right. So these people, uh, people here, yeah. they've lost their homes, their homes. Yeah. And now they've got to choose. I mean, I'm talking here specifically about the poor people here. Yeah, yeah. They have to choose yeah. between, you know, when they work to yeah. feed their family or yeah. save to rebuild their home. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a very dire situation. Right. The first government is only going to give them less than about 10, 20% of the cost of rebuilding. Yeah. So they're stuck. Okay. All right. So so la la last two minutes, Abdul Qadir, what, what is the kind of support that you want to see from, you know, the communities in the UK? I've still heard of, you know, Friday announcements being made to collect the funds, right? But it's, it has gone into the, the back end of the memories of a lot of people precisely because of the opening comments that we've made, right? What is the kind of help and relief that you want to see coming from the, the, the community from the UK, Akhi? You know, what we, what we really need to see is a, a reawakening to help the people of Kashmir, Nepal yeah. specifically, yeah? yeah. It, we need a reawakening. Everybody needs to be donating, people need to be giving. And, you know, when you give, the people have relatives in Nepal who know poor people who can go and help them. Yeah. You can do it through that way. Yeah. Just make sure you, it's going to the people that are in need. Yeah. And if you can't do it that way, Christ is saying we've, got, we've actually got an office in Nepal, in right. Share, Nepal Share. Okay. There's a storeroom and an office. Right, it's full so of tents, full of... Um, Blankets and, yeah. uh, and and these what do you call them? 
these uh, 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 waterproof tarpaulins. Right. And what we're doing, we're going out to the poor people, we're giving them cards, and, we're, and they're coming in, into the office with a card, and then we give them what's written in the card. So yeah. we, we actually inspect and see that these are really people in need, and then we give them the card. Right. So you can either support us, you can support okay. other charities that are here, right. or you can support the you know, families who you've got there. But you have to support, guys. You know, these people are desperate. They've lost everything, everything. Imagine yourself now. Yeah? Absolutely. If your okay. house... What on earth would you do? Are you own the house? Do you think, I mean, I'm going to work first with England, yeah. we'll be able to, yeah. the council will rehouse us. Yeah. But what if you were in a country where, you know, the government is not going to rehouse you? Yeah. How would yeah. you feel? What would you do? What would you need? You need to your Muslim brothers and sisters to come and help you. Yeah. Jazakallah, Abdul Qadir, brother. Akhi, I'd love to speak to you a bit longer, but unfortunately, I, I've got to end it there. Hopefully, okay. we'll, are, you, are you there much longer? Are you, are you, are you heading back to Pakistan, uh, to yeah, England yeah. soon? I'm, I'm, I'm I'm here for another week. I'll be back in, in back in UK. Inshallah, if all goes well, next week I'm just training our team to make sure that they're able to reach the poor people, do the work properly. Once that's all over and done with. I'll be back inshallah next week. I will be repeating your message of, of support that we need from our listeners, inshallah, throughout the program. And inshallah, we'll speak to you when you're back in the UK to get an update, inshallah. Jazakallah, brother Abdul, Abdul Qadir. Jazakallah. Jazakallah. Okay, listeners, that was uh, Akhi Abdul Qadir uh, from a Crisis Aid out in Pakistan, giving us an update on the situation in Pakistan. Uh, this is the following the earthquake in late September. And of course, as you, as Abdul Qadir was saying, I think the impression of, for a lot of people here is the fact that it wasn't that bad. But as Abdul Qadir is telling us, uh, the situation on the ground is quite the contrary. And I'll be repeating that message a little later that we do need more support. Those of you that are connected and got you know connections to Mirpur, you know, try to use your direct connections in Mirpur to support the poor, support the uh, the ones who have lost their homes, lost everything, inshallah ta'ala. We'll come on to that later. But you know, as I was saying earlier, I want to cover another uh, brief story before I go into the break uh, for the Maghrib Azan and the Maghrib Salah. And that, that is this horrific story that's, uh, you know, come out of, of Bangladesh over the last couple of days, right? Now, some of you may not have actually followed this story right but let me just give you a quick introduction then i'm going to speak to be speaking to brother mizan rashid uh, and this is with regards to a murder of a of a brother called abrar fahad who was a student right who was a student a very capable student in bangladesh all right in one of the top universities who had written a post on facebook against this river deal agreed by hasina during her visit to india and he was subsequently tortured to death by the awami league's student wing uh, you know individuals and that is the the, the claim and that is what, what what is the case let, let, let's go straight to brother mizana rashid who i'm sure will be able to shed a lot more light uh, than I uh, will be able to. Uh, I, I've got the bio of Brother Mizanur Rashid here, civilian and commercial mediator, political and legal advisor. Uh, Brother Mizanur Rashid, Asalaamu Alaikum, welcome to Friday Night Live. Tell us what's been happening uh, and, and give us an update on this case of uh, Abrar Fahad, Akhi. Thank you very much, Brother, for inviting me. Um, this is, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, it's a horrific, uh, horrific event, uh, which obviously uh, you mentioned uh, happened uh, last week yeah. in Bangladesh. That uh, happened in the dormitory of Bangladesh, one of the best universities. Absolutely. Called, um, the, uh, it's called, the short name is Buet. It is an engineering and uh, um, technology university. Yes. Uh, 
by the way, the point that that occurrence is what I would say is not an isolated uh, event. This is it's like the whole picture of Bangladesh. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the, the governing party trying to brutally, uh, you know, silence, silence, yes, other voices. Yes. Similarly, it's political party trying to sideline any dissent. Yes. You know, the, I have read the message, the Facebook post that uh, Abrar Fahim uh, posted on his page. On right. His, um, it is it's just a concern. It's not a blaming game. He did not blame anyone. Right. Say. Yes. What he raised, it is the common concern of 16 crore uh, that hundred and so million people's concern oh, in Bangladesh, correct? Governing party is is uh, is very much in love with India. Yeah, and uh, India is, yes. is very much in in hatred of the Muslim in within India, mm. Kashmir, and in Bangladesh. So it is it, it is a fair concern of yes. people of Bangladesh that the government of Bangladesh has agreed to give the natural gas, which Bangladesh, it's vast, I mean, numbers of people don't have it. Yes. And the water, India depriving Bangladesh of its water for for last 60 years. Yes. India not giving water when we need it. Yes. And India giving it plenty when we don't need it, thereby flooding the whole country. So in that situation, Bangladesh you know, offering uh, some sort of, uh, you know, deal to India to yeah. to please them, you know, with yes. gas and water, is, it, it's hurting countries' interests. So, uh, any student like Abdullah yes. would, would raise their concern, but the problem is, it is a schizophrenic, uh, you know, mentality of the government that any defense would threaten their, their, their power. No, no, absolutely. So, Brother Mizan Rashid, I mean, Marshall, you, you've shared a lot of a lot of information there. So, I mean, of course, this you, the, the agreement that you're referring to is on the 5th of October 2019. Sheikh Hasina, she signed several agreements with India, and, and you're right, quite right. I mean, the, I've got some details here. Uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, subjugation to India, and, and I totally, I, I can understand where you're coming from, that, you know, it would be a valid concern for so many people within Bangladesh in terms of you know why are we you know siding with india and but i mean that's one thing right which is within awami league there are people within within awami league, league. Uh, agreed uh, agreed, right? But I mean, the case here, I mean, the, as I was saying earlier, I mean, Bangladesh is not alone. You, you have it in Pakistan, you have it in yeah. India, you have it, you had it in Europe, you have it in the Middle East, where you have political parties, and then they also have their unofficial gundas, right? They, they, you know, they have their, their thugs, right, that associate with those parties, who, who, which operate, right? tacitly, explicitly or implicitly with the approval of these political parties, right? To achieve their political ends. I mean, this, and then on the one hand, they're claiming to be democracy, democracy, and on the other hand, this is what we're seeing. Okay, so the response has been people on the streets. In one word, yep. it is thuggery. It is thuggery, absolutely. So the point is, you know that Bangladesh, the one of the top university, is like Bangladesh's Oxford. Cambridge, exactly. Yes. Dhaka University. Yes. The Dhaka University is elected by president. Yes. Mr. 
uh, Noor, yes. he just said last week on TV that he was subjugated to torture eight times. Absolutely. Being the, being the vice president of the university, subjugated to torture, torture, I mean real torture. They torture... So, so, so this, this is my point. Last question to you, brother Mizanur Rashid, because we're we're running out of time. We have to go for Maghrib Azan. I mean, this is the, what we see in Pakistan. We see in Karachi, for example. I mean, it's, it's become a lot better, right? But the MQM. I'm going to be covering this story later on. The MQM. Altaf Hussein is sitting here in London. He will incite violence in Karachi, and suddenly you will see because of his incitement, you know, there's you know violence have been hap happening in, in Karachi, right? So we see this, right? That they can hold to ransom anyone what they like. This is the so-called democracy that we're seeing in India, we're seeing it in Pakistan, we're seeing it in Bangladesh. What are the people saying and what do, what do the people want, uh, Akhi? Look, those people do not have choice. Yeah. The people like Abra go silent. Every single university, I myself visited some of it, every single university and its bombs, people who have the voice, they are beaten so that their voice they yeah. are afraid so that they don't speak. Yeah. Similarly, people of Bangladesh were beaten, people of Pakistan or India, wherever you see, yeah. they were beaten so badly by their action and by their behavior, yeah. so badly that they are fed up of talking about a proper democracy. They've been deceived, you know, they are... Right. They are uh, you know, you know, brother Mizanur Rashid, we gotta unfortunately leave it there. I'm, I'm wondering whether that, that is the, the form of democracy that you're only gonna see in the in Indian subcontinent. Unfortunately, but I'd love to speak to you uh, in a future date, inshallah ta'ala. But unfortunately, we gotta go leave it there. Jazakallah, brother Mizanur Rashid, uh, who joined us to give us his perspective on the death of Abrar Fahad in Bangladesh. I, I want to just quickly reach out to my listeners: 0158241822. I'm sure a lot of my listeners are from the Bangladeshi, uh, you know, community. What do you do? What do you make of that story? Zero triple seven nine four eight four eight one eight double two for your SMS WhatsApp messages. I want to hear from our listeners this evening. We're going to go into a commercial break. I'll be back after that. Until then, Assalamualaikum. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, on uh, this Friday evening, 11th of October 2019. We are broadcasting live from the studios of Inspire FM, 105.1 FM, 015824818220779481822. Now, I have to be honest, I do expect to see a lot of SMS and WhatsApp messages coming and I also perhaps expect a call or two maybe I'm being a bit too optimistic but the last two stories we just covered right I think they should have touched the sensitivities of a lot of my listeners right especially the last story which is the story of Bangladesh now I've got a huge listenership from Bangladesh huge listenership of from Bangladesh right here based in Luton what do you make of this thuggery that we're hearing of in Bangladesh, the Awami League, right? The Sheikh Hasina's Awami League. A, we're hearing with regards to her deal with India and what a lot of people are labeling as subservience 
to India with regards to the deals that she signed up with regards to gas, with regards to waterways, you know, and, and the likes. And then we're seeing thuggery on top of that. And anyone who even dares to raise a concern is battered, astaghfirullah, battered to death on a campus in a dormitory at the top University of Bangladesh. That is horrific news, horrific news. That is Sheikh Hasina's Awami League, Bangladesh's democracy we're seeing in Bangladesh. Your thoughts, your views, 01582481822, speak to me. Good old people of Luton, Sheffield, Nottingham, Derby, Peterborough, wherever you may be, 0777941822, speak to me, call me, SMS, WhatsApp. I'll get your thoughts onto the airwaves and share them with my listenership also, right? We're going to be moving on to the next story. Before I move that uh, on to the next story, very quick reminder from uh, Brother Abdul Qadir, Crisis Aid, out in Pakistan, out in Mirpur at the moment, as is Brother Bashara, I was mentioning earlier, who um, we may be able to speak to later on this evening. But nevertheless, the Kashmir earthquake update is that the Pakistan, the people of uh, Mirpur, require your help. Don't forget them in your in your du'as but also don't forget them in, in your relief efforts and in your campaigning and in those funds if you've got any contact in Mirpur you know people in Mirpur and you can get your 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 assistance your aid to them directly then do that all right we're going to be moving on to the next story now inshallah I believe we have got our uh, next uh, panelist on the line inshallah and it's, and it's another um, I don't know how to term it really but another a story of one country going into another for its personal interest by the sounds of it. But let, let, let's go on and speak to you. Uh, and we are going to be speaking to you, brother Hassan Abdullah, who's a diplomatic correspondent at TRT World. Uh, Hassan Abdullah, are, are you with me? Uh, Hafiz Shaban, Friday Night Live. Yes, Brother Hafiz I'm with you. Ah, fantastic. Welcome to Friday Night Live, uh, Brother Hassan Abdullah. Just to introduce it, uh, this story to my listeners. Now, this is, I mean, uh, when we were coining this story together, we were talking about preparations complete for Syria military action, says Turkey. But of course, last couple of days, we have seen Turkey entering into Syria. Now, before I go into the details and, and get your thoughts on this, uh, of course, you're, you're probably based in Turkey, so you can give me an update. Uh, what is so? Uh, what is happening on the ground in Turkey, and what is the media saying? What is Erdogan and his party saying? And what is the general opinion from the people of of, uh, of Turkey? Right. Uh, I've got a couple of snippets I want to just mention to yourself. So we, we, I see here that Erdogan has been threatening to order Turkish military into the north eastern Syria. Eight times since January 2018 and, and a number of warnings have come late July and early August of this year. And I think there's been a lot of correspondence between Turkey and America. Turkey then moves into northern Syria on Wednesday after US pulls its troops out of the area. And the critics have in effect said that it was a green light given to Turkey, given to Erdogan to say that, okay, uh, it's over to you. And of course, Erdogan has long been saying he wants to create a so-called safe zone running for this 480 kilometers along the Syrian side of the border. And, and, and it continues. right? And we've seen the, the military operations and we've already seen the international humanitarian organizations start to call out foul play and start to call out the humanitarian catastrophe and disaster that's about to befall the people of the northeastern uh, area of, of Syria. Now, 
the question I want to put to you, Brother Hassan Abdullah, is this now Turkey itself becoming a tyrant? What's happening? Help me out. Well, just to contextualize, what's happening basically is that uh, there's an organization called the YPG operating out of yep. Syria, yep. which uh, Turkey says uh, and uh, the U.S. admits is the Syrian branch of the PKK. Now, PKK is recognized as a terrorist organization by Turkey, the United States and U.S. It's been waging a war against the state of Turkey. It's uh, been a separatist organization. And it killed about 40,000 people in Turkey over the last but, 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 but hang, hang on, Brother Hassan Abdullah. I, I, I hear that point that you're making, but there, there hasn't been real, any, any real conflict over the last, I, I don't know, for, 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 a, for a good while. Has it? This is historical, what you're telling me. Um, no, it's been ongoing. I mean, if you look at the latest incidents in, in Suruj and other parts, uh, police stations continue to be targeted. And right. there have been targeted assassinations of uh, political figures in Turkey. So it's not something uh, which is, uh, you know, which only happened in the past. It's something which is continuing. Yeah. Um, what what has changed? What has changed it is over the last 17 years, there have been, for example, attempts to uh, talk to the PKK. There have been attempts Correct. to try and find a political solution. Yeah. But that collapsed. I mean, uh, it depends how detailed you want me to go into this. Uh, but it's important to contextualize because, unfortunately, what happens is that the mainstream Western media yeah. uh, tends to frame things according to its own interests. No, absolutely. I, I, I think, let, 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 let's be fair, Brother Hassan, I, I think any national media from any organ, uh, any country would do that, right? So the national media is always going to try to paint, uh, you know, paint, especially the ones that are associated with, with linked to the government, you know, are going to, you know, try to toe that kind of particular agenda. But but my point here is, I think we're well familiar with PKK, and you're right, there's been a, you know, a long battle between the PKK, and, and of course, it's been labelled as a, for, for some time now as a terrorist organization by the US, by, by Turkey and, and so many other organizations. But, but, but this is not new. So you're saying this is not new, this has been ongoing, but yet Turkey hasn't taken the military action that all of a sudden now it takes after America pulls out its troops and Turkey goes in. So the fact is it's been happening for a long time, but Turkey hasn't taken any military option, but it takes the military option now all of a sudden. That's my point. What, what's changed there? No, 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 that's not true. To, okay. Just to correct uh, some facts there. Okay. Uh, Turkey's already taken two military operations. Turkey's conducted uh, Operation Olive Branch in uh, northwestern Syria around Afrin. Right. Uh, that was opposed by the United States right. and uh, other stakeholders. Yeah. Uh, Turkey's also conducted uh, Operation Olive Branch. So first of all, uh, if you're looking at uh, the last two years, this is the third operation. Right. Uh, so it's not something that's happened all of a sudden. Right. Turkey's been talking about a corridor of terror extending from northeastern Syria to northwestern Syria, where it yeah. says that uh, the YPG has been trying to create a canton, as the YPG yeah. calls it. Yeah. Um, you know, extending all the way to the border with Iraq. So it's not something yeah. that's that's new you know, okay to be, uh, clear about the fact all right all right so 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 what is what what is turkey trying to achieve right so now now you we're, we're referencing this 300 odd miles right over of, of, of the sa so called safe zone right this sdf held territory right to demilitarize it and to for turkey to have its own presence of its own troops there so it can create a so called safe zone right firstly i want to ask you what is 
Turkey trying to achieve, right? So is it trying to get rid of the so-called YPG or PKK or whatever acronyms that we use and itself, you know, ensure its own military presence in that region? And and B, will that really solve the problem of, you know, the Kurds and, and the Kurdish, you know, uh, you know, in interests? Will that really solve the problem or will it just push it away further into a different area? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, uh, what is Turkey trying to do? Well, uh, the Turkish government says that, uh, first of all, there's a security concern. The yeah. southern border of Turkey uh, meets Syria. From there, there's been logistical support and logistical cooperation between the PKK operating in Turkey mm. and the YPG operating in Syria. Um, now, what's happening is that uh, before we go, even move to the safe zone, Turkey wants to push the YPG away from its borders. Yeah. Then it wants to create a safe zone in that area. Now, currently, if you know, Turkey is hosting about 3.6 million Syrian refugees. Yeah. Turkey wants to settle uh, many of those refugees in the safe zone because obviously there's an economic factor for Turkey as well. Yeah. Um, for example, we've heard numerous times from President Erdogan saying that Turkey has spent about $40 billion on the Syrian refugees yeah. so far. So the second issue is the settlement of the Syrian refugees in that area. Yeah. Now, uh, from a political point of view, the reason Turkey wants to push YPG away and prevent the creation of a, of a Kurdish canton mm. uh, under the YPG slash PKK is because uh, the PKK's separatist struggle. What happens is if you create, if it creates a statelet there, separates mm. it from Syria, mm. so you know, if there's any sort of disintegration of Syria, mm. that could have a fallout or blowback effect for Turkey. Yeah. So, you know, there are very straight political science <laughs> reasons. Yeah, um, but yeah. all right, all right, Hassan. Yeah, no, no, no. I agree, but you know what? That that's something that that's bugging me, right? I uh, there's something that I don't understand. Help me understand this, Hassan Abdullah, right? That historically, right? Whether it's the Kurds, whether it's the Syrians, whether it's the Turks, right? They all live together under one umbrella, under one rule. I mean, you show it fantastically in your dramatized series of Ertugul, right? That How all of these Muslims live together under, under one rule, right? So why can't Turkey once again be the melting pot where the, Tur- where the Kurds, Syrians, you know, Palestinians, or, and the Turks are all living together as Muslims? You're all Muslims. You, you're, you're one faith, one identity. What is the problem with saying that these are our brothers the, uh, of Syria or whether it's the Kurds, they're our brothers. Let's embrace them under one, or, you know, uh, you know, one system of Islam, which, which we all believe in and we can all embrace and we can all live under. Why, why can't we? Am I being too utopian? Am I being too idealistic? Why can't, why can't Turkey do that? No, you have a good point there. I mean, if, uh, any Muslim, I don't think any Muslim would... Um dispute the fact that the rule under Islam, uh, the caliphate yeah. that Muslims have had um, <clears throat> for hundreds of years, uh, you know, that's where they had power, that's where they um, had uh, unity of command and so forth. Mm. Uh, but let's not forget the reality that since the Westphalian system was imposed on the world, yeah. uh, that's not the case with Muslims. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, um, th- on the one hand, there, there is the normative side of yeah. what Muslims want, uh, rule under Islam and um, the rejection of secular ideals and nationalism yeah. and so forth. And then on the other side is the reality of what we actually have on the ground. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. So 
the, the reality on the ground is that the whole world, obviously, is organized along the Westphalian system. That includes the 52 or so nation states. Yeah. I mean, you know, whether you talk about the Sykes-Pico, yeah. or you talk about the Duran line, yeah. uh, you know, there are artificial yeah. constructions yeah. known as nation states and so forth. Correct, forth. correct. But that doesn't change the, the reality on the ground yes. that you, you are now talking about and dealing with nation states. Yeah. So, you know, we've got like several arguments you would need to address there. Yeah. All right. I, I, I want to come back to, you know, Turkey's kind of position and pivoting as, as a quite quite a strategic player in the in the bigger scheme of things. Right. But before I come on to that, I mean, there, there is this obvious international humanitarian issue. Well, well forget about the international, but just the humanitarian issue here that I understand where, you, where you're coming from. I mean, this separatism and, and, you know, you can keep continuing that. I mean, you know, there's, there, you know, in terms of what, what's happening there and I can understand you know potentially what you're telling me and where you're coming from but nevertheless there's a lot of innocent civilians here right uh, and, and this military offensive no doubt it's going to have an impact and displace a lot of people what's turkey doing to reassure the the ordinary person who's not part and parcel of this ypg or the pkk or an activist within these organizations well, what is it doing to win their hearts and minds and and ensure their human lives <laughs> well uh, two components there first of all what is turkey doing now we're hearing repeatedly from the turkish defense ministry and even from the turkish president saying that uh, they're carrying out surgical strikes at the moment uh, they're largely carrying out intelligence-based operations where specific targets are being attacked. Now, for example, uh, the Turkish military has told us that during the drone surveillance, what they've discovered is that many of the YPG shells have been fired from houses where they've spotted women and children around. Uh, so they're saying that... That sounds like America to me. Uh, that sounds like America and the Isra Israeli media to me, uh, uh, Hassan Abdullah. No disrespect, but I mean, how many times have we heard that from the Israelis? How many times have we heard that from the, the Americans, right? You know, they say that all the time about the Palestinians and that's an excuse to do whatever they want to do, right? Uh, well, let's, let's, let's be a bit realistic. I think uh, Muslims have a special obligation to be more realistic. Okay. That does happen in war, wartime. Yeah. I mean, Muslim organizations and Muslim groups have been mingling in population. So, you know, mm. if, you, uh, if you want to discuss the positive side of things, you know, like mm. the hard facts, yeah. as opposed to any normative discourse, uh, then you need to face the reality that Muslim groups have been doing it as well. Yeah. That's the reality of how wars work. Yeah. There is, you know, if you read, if you study Sun Tzu, you find that in a symmetrical warfare, that's one of the most fundamental things you do. Yeah. I'm not talking about the rights and wrongs. I'm stating realities. Yeah. That's something which does happen. I yeah. mean, Hamas, Hamas, Hamas members do live within the, you know, yes. normal Palestinian population. Sure. I'm not talking about the rights and wrongs of Israel's action or what. I'm just yeah. stating the fact here. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, let's let's not try and claim that very high uh, supposed moral ground mm. uh, based on fantasies or you yeah. know on just uh, some sort of uh, fetishized thinking <laughs> you know, there's a reality in the world in yeah. conflicts that conflicts work a certain way it doesn't matter whether muslims are involved yes. or uh, yes, christians yes. or jews or whoever is involved yes yeah, let's be let's be factual about this. I mean, I mean, almost Hassan, you, you lead me on to my next point, which is you know this kind of guerrilla warfare or asymmetrical, you know, kind of warfare that you alluded to earlier, right? Because that's what's going to happen here, right? I mean, you saw Saudi in Yemen, and you've seen that they've not been able to achieve their, their any real tangible result for many many years, right? Uh, we've seen this the Israelis in Palestine.
Point not being able to achieve it. We're seeing India in Kashmir not being able to achieve it. They've got 700,000 military troops in that area, such a small geography area. But we, we know military might doesn't win it. Even historically, this is my point, melting point. It is you need to win those people over as opposed to going and, you know, bombing these people over. I mean, that, that, that would be my, you know, perspective to say, hey, hang on, isn't there an alternative that we can actually leverage here as opposed to trying to just bomb these people into submission? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I think it's important uh, for us not to uh, conflate different conflicts and just try and create like a, you know, a one-size-fits-all thing. Right. Uh, so, for example, the conflict in Yemen has its own dynamics. Correct. The conflict in uh, Kashmir has its own dynamics. Yeah. And let me let me point out because you've repeated it a couple of times that I'm actually speaking in my capacity as a student of strategic studies and international relations. You know, right. I'm not necessarily speaking on behalf of uh, Turkey or sure. uh, TRT world. Let me just be very clear about that. Fine, yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to speak facts from an academic point of view. Good, yeah. So you, you have to look at different conflicts in their specific context. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're saying, for example, that in Yemen the conflict has been, uh, Saudi Arabia has been failing, yes, that's true. But for example, if you look at the... Um, uh, the co conflicts like Operation Olive Branch, yeah. uh, it didn't stretch for years. Right. You know, it had limited objectives, right. and those limited objectives were achieved from a military right. point of view. Okay. So okay. You fair know, enough. Let's not do have like a one no, size no, 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 fine. I, I think that's a fair enough criticism, uh, uh, Brother Hassan, uh, which is fine. T tell me, uh, uh, Brother Hassan, are you, are you actually uh, based out of Istanbul, Ankara? Where are you in Turkey? And what's the opinion on the ground with the average individuals? I, I mean, I get that you're from this strategic international relations academic background. Hopefully you're mingling in with the average Turkish individual. What's the what is the spectrum of opinion that you're finding on the streets of Turkey? Uh, right. Uh, regarding where I'm based, I'm mainly based in Ankara, but obviously I travel around. Like, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, only this morning I returned from the Turkey-Syria border. Okay. Um, as far as the general opinion is concerned, uh, going by the statistics, it seems that the overwhelming majority in Turkey are supportive of this operation. But there are, of course, those people in Turkey who are opposed to this. Uh, if you look at the political parties, all the mainstream political parties in Turkey are supporting this operation, except for one party, which is called the HDP. Um, right. So... In terms of percentage, uh, I can't give you a fine, scientific fine. figure, but it seems that more than 80, 85% of the population right. is probably supportive of uh, yeah. this operation. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, okay, all right. And, and uh, I, I want to move on to, uh, of course, Turkish. Turkey's a kind of strategic position within the region and also you know internationally because there's been a lot that's been written with regards to the a bit of a rift between Turkey and the United States of, of, of America of course we saw a great power competition with China and Russia uh, you know with regards to vying over Turkey from the United States we saw some deals Russian air defense system you know which you know Turkey went ahead and and, and, and brought right has that kind of played on the back on the minds of the americans and they've said you know what you know it's better to have turkey as a partner or uh, then uh, allowing turkey to kind of side towards russia to what extent is that playing a a, a a role and 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 what do you think will happen as a result of this military action do you think the position of turkey is because it becomes stronger internationally with regards to america with regards to uh, europe or, or do you think it's going to be opposite because we've heard a bit of rhetoric from trump to say all right i'm going to make turkey pay for this right if they cross the so-called line 
What are you, what's your political reading into this? Well, if you look at the response from the Western countries, it seems that uh, there is quite strong opposition. For example, we've seen uh, Western European countries who've announced that they're not going to sell weapons to Turkey. Um, and we've seen the reaction from the... Surprise, Turkey surprise. On that. Um, they'll, they'll continue to sell their weapons to, uh, to Saudi, but they won't sell them to Turkey, right? Yes. I mean, you can talk about the sort of uh, dual standards there. Yeah. Uh, so that's obviously one factor. So initially, for example, yeah. while there is Western pressure, the Turkish economy may face uh, some brunt. You know, it may uh, suffer a bit. But yeah. if Turkey manages to hold and continue with this operation and reach the limited uh, strategic object objectives mm. that it's set out to attain, yeah. then in the midterm, uh, Turkey may emerge as more assertive yeah. And it may emerge as, uh, you know, a strong political actor. Mm. So economically, we know that Turkey has been facing challenges over the last uh, couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, Turkey is still a member of the G20. It's the world's yeah. 17th largest economy. Yeah. Uh, militarily, it's cutting down reliance on the West. So at the moment, right. uh, around 70-75% yeah. of Turkey's uh, arms procurement needs are met locally. Right, right. And then, of course, you've got Turkey Russia. Or, you, you've got Russia. I mean, there's plenty of people who are, who are prepared to gun you to your teeth uh, and, and continue because it's good business for them. And Russia and China are amongst those who will step in if America and the Europe step out. But very quickly, I've got two minutes and I've got two quick questions I want to ask you. I mean, what does it mean, Hassan, for serious civil war? Right? Is it, you know, some commentators are saying is now entering a new phase. And don't be surprised if so-called Bashar Assad, you know, you know, I don't I don't know if he's lying away dormant somewhere, but this is happening in his backyard. He's not, is he going to remain silent with regards to the actions of Turkey? What's your view on that? And then last a comment that I've heard from some of the people that I've spoken to is that, you know, where was Turkey? Where was Erdogan? He talks about this great Islamic leadership of Turkey. Where was he when Syria was calling out for help and the, Mus you know, the, the Muslims of Syria were calling out for help for the last five years and there was no military invention from Turkey? Where was he for Rohingya? Where has he been for the Palestinian? Muslims and he talks the talk but he's never you know militarily interfered but here he's gone ahead militarily in, interfe interfered when it suited his own interest very quickly if you can just address those two questions in a minute and a half okay regarding the first question um, because of the intervention from Russia and Iran um, and the indecisiveness of the United States I, I believe that and my assessment is that uh, Bashar al-Assad's position has actually strengthened uh, over the last two and a half years or so. Yes. Um, regarding the second question, but but uh, has it strength? Has it is, is what's that strength going to result in with now Turkey's incursion into Syria? Is that what? Are, what are, what's your analysis on that? That that depends on a number of factors. For example, right. it depends on uh, the position PYD adopts vis-a-vis -vis Bashar al-Assad. So, for example, right. does right. PYD, which is the political branch of YPG, feel that it has to? Uh, talk to Bashar al-Assad, that yeah. would give Bashar al-Assad more uh, political legitimacy right. and it would give Bashar al-Assad more space to maneuver. All right, right. Okay, and second question very quickly. Uh, time for the second question. Yeah, you got 30 seconds. The second one, there, are there are certain things people want, especially Muslims. Uh, you know, Muslims would like to see uh, their, their nation states intervene in conflict, but that's not how the Westphalian system works. You know, that's how the Islamic system may work, but it's not how the Westphalian system works where countries and their policies are supposed to be driven by national interest. National interest is, is defined rationally primarily by economic interest, not mm. by, you know, uh, moral standing and so. 
you know, I, I suppose last time as well, maybe you should do a program on that, like a detailed program in which we can compare perhaps the Islamic system with the uh, contemporary world order. Fantastic. Great suggestions, bro- Brother Hassan Abdullah. And it's always lovely speaking to you. And on that note, unfortunately, uh, i got to end it there. Brother Hassan uh, Abdullah, uh, strategic studies uh, and an international relations academic plus diplomatic correspondent at TRT World. Fantastic having you this evening. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, brother. Right, uh, listeners, that was uh, Hassan Abdullah. Jazakallah for your messages. We're going to be going into commercial break, brother. Hamza Atik, Jazakallah for your message. I've just tuned in. Great show. I'm glad you covered the situation in Bangladesh. I really want to hear your views, uh, Akhi. What do you think what's happening in Bangladesh? What do you think about this particular horrific incident, right? I want to hear you. If you can speak to me, 0152-481-822 or send me another WhatsApp message on 0779-481-822. What do you think is happening and what do you think should happen next right we're going to go into commercial break when we come back i'll tell you what we're going to be discussing next until then assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh assalamu alaikum this is atif nawaz and you're listening to an inspire fm podcast Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to Friday Night Live with me Hafiz Shaban on this uh, Friday evening on the 11th of October 2019 as always broadcasting live from Inspire FM st- studios in, here in Luton and also across our sister stations nationally wow it's already one hour of the show has already gone by that's the, the beauty of the show I mean you don't even realize and the time just simply flies by as you're discussing some of these uh, very topical conversations and discussions that we've been having over the course of the last hour and of course i was discussing with the brother hassan abdullah from turkey the current situation between turkey and the northern parts of syria what, what do you make of that conversation were you following the conversation are you following the events at the moment in, uh, in between turkey and syria uh, and and the kurdish i mean the, the question that i posed to brother hassan abdullah is you know islam and this whole region was a melting pot where the kurds the syrians the palestinians the lebanese uh, the turks they all lived together in peace under one system why can't we do that again today well, why is we're having all of these problems amongst muslims right and now we're seeing turkey go and you know go into this particular region and we're seeing the you know the, tr- the troubles that are going to unfold as a result of that you know I've, I've got a couple of questions that i've raised there with hasan abdullah but you know what they're just my thoughts i want to hear from you my listeners 01582 481822 is the number here in the studio and of course before that very quickly just a reminder we were getting the kashmir earthquake update uh, and a reminder there as the brother abdul qadir mentioned from crisis aid out in mirpur at the moment mirpur and the people of pakistan and the people and the victims of the earthquake they need your support and they need your help right so that that was a clear message from abdul qadir and then we were also discussing the death of abrar fahad in bangladesh which is caused outcry incredible incredible stuff that's been happening there and hamza atik has messaging to say he's been he's glad that we've covered the situation in bangladesh but you know what i want to hear more from our listeners i want to hear your thoughts i want to hear what's happening in bangladesh what's happening in pakistan and what's happening in turkey right we're going to now move on to our next story 
and this actually caught my attention this week right and I don't know if this caught your attention indeed if you've actually even even followed this news item right but it was covered locally in some of the local press watch out for this next news story right so I want to I want you to pay attention to this the headlines were 21 Luton schools right that's right 21 Luton schools have been rated inadequate or they've been rated that they require improvement by Ofsted right now if that number was five or six or four or three or nine perhaps they wouldn't have quite caught my attention three or four I mean there's always gonna be a few that are gonna that are gonna be required to play catch-up but the fact that it was 21 kind of caught my attention right and I thought look we need to cover this story what's happening here are the people of Luton getting a bad education for their children legitimate questions so I looked into it a little further these schools were all rated, 21 of these schools were all rated as inadequate or requires improvement. Inadequate, I believe, if I got my, my facts right, is right at the bottom of the rating when it comes to Ofsted, right? And requires improvement is slightly above. And of course, the standard should be good or it should be outstanding, if I, if I, if I, if I remember correctly, right? And of course, Ofsted, whilst it serves its purpose, it's also known to be a bit of a political, you know, it's, 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 it's recently, you know, been accused of being a bit of a political entity, right? It's not supposed to be, of course, but there have been accusations there. And the legitimate question that I want to ask to my panelists today is, is this Ofsted being awkward? Is that a legitimate concern? Is there, a, you know, a question of resourcing? What are the schools doing about it? What is the council doing about it? Uh, because I think the people of Luton deserve some answers here. If 21 of the schools you're sending your children to are being rated inadequate or requires improvement, it should raise your eyebrows because you're all paying taxes. A lot of you are paying taxes and you're sending your schools and all of us should be able to, you know, be convinced and be comfortable that our children are getting the best in terms of an education system, right? Now, a last point before I introduce my panelists is a number of Islamic faith schools are part of this list. Now, I'm not going to name and shame. I'm not going to name any of the schools. It's public information, so it is available. And we've tried to reach out to most of the schools to get some kind of statements to say, okay, hey, guys, what's going on? Fair enough. You know, maybe these reports are a couple of months old, a couple of years old, and you've had some time and opportunity to put an action plan together. What's been happening? Because some of these uh, ratings are from 2016, some are 2019, which is fair enough, is very recent. Uh, 2019, 2019, 2019, all right, only one is from 2016. So let, let's introduce our panelists, let's ask these questions, let's see if we can get some answers, all right? Uh, and meantime, have a think about what, I, what I've just said. 01582 All right, so firstly, in the studio, I want to introduce, inshallah ta'ala, is uh, Councillor Mahmoud Hussain. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Councillor Mahmoud Hussain, and welcome to Friday Night Live. Welcome to Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum, uh, first of all, and thank you for inviting me to. All right, fantastic. Great to have you. On the phone, I've got uh, Brother Abdul Wudud. Uh, Ahmed, who is a senior team leader uh, for the Olive Tree Primary School. Assalamualaikum, Abdul Wadud and Jazakallah for joining us. Wa alaikum, sir. Excellent. And I'm going to let Brother Hisham take a, a couple of uh, 
deep breaths because he just joined me here in the studio and get some water if he, if he can inshallah but I also have brother Hisham Parker who's a governor for one of the local schools who's also joined me here in the studio right and um, brother Hisham may have missed my introduction in terms of just setting the scene what's been happening you know are we getting a bad education here in local uh, in, in Luton 21 schools right being rated inadequate requires improvement it is, is a bit of a concern for me as a parent let me go straight to Councillor Mahmoud Hussain. You heard me for the last five minutes can, ranting away here. What do you make of it? Is yeah. it often I, being just too, uh, too, too critical? Or I, is, I, it, is it the council failing, I, the, failing the local uh, residents? Yeah. Can I just make it very clear yes. that as far as the inadequate school, there is none of the local authority, the academies, free schools, yeah. foundation school are inadequate. Right. The four schools that are inadequate yes. are private schools, right? Right, and not all of them are faith schools. Okay. So that let's let that you know there is no, no myth. Right. We are the only local authority in yes. the eastern region yeah. that does not have a single yeah. inadequate school. No, yes, uh, we do have a school that are require improvement for different reasons, right. but certainly not inadequate. Right. And I, for one, yeah. is the first person oh. that would be critical if oh. we do have an inadequate school, because I think children deserve right. a good education, yes. and an inadequate school does not provide that. Right, because I was going to say, I mean, just for the, uh, just because of the fact that we haven't got inadequate schools or, or a number of them in, in, in the local council doesn't mean that we're happy with requiring improvement because there's 21 like I said if it was three or it, four it, it would have probably you know slipped my, my, my eye but yeah. I, it, that caught my it, attention it is not 21 from the local authority as right. I said to you yeah. that there are five maintained school right. and about four five academies right yeah okay, okay. which are require improvement mm. and they are we are working very closely particularly with the maintained school and the academies right. uh, through the the regional commissioner right. to try to improve standards right. and you only have to look at the results in key stage two where yeah. these schools even though they are an ri yeah. they have all made improvements in maths and english Right, we will come on to uh, you know the, the other things that you're alluding to, but but let, let answer the question: Is it Ofsted here being too critical, or is it the fact that you know we, we know for a number of years that the cutting, you know, the spending has been cut, right? There's been austerity measures nationally, even locally. We know that there's been cuts in spending, and you know, and provisions and resources being made available. Is it a case of resourcing? Is it a case of Ofsted, or is it just a case of incapable? some student, uh, not students, sorry, schools and, and management. W I, what is it? I think that the first bit is the resources. Yes, there has been a major cuts in resources. Yeah. All schools are going through a very difficult budgetary problems. Yeah. The government has on the spending review yeah. have said that they will increase the spending. Mm. We will wait and see. But for the last, since 2010, right. schools have had a lot of money taken yeah. out of their budget. So that yeah. does have an but that does not mean mm. to say the schools can't do better. Right. And my challenge to every school is, yeah. and I will not accept this, that it is deprivation or English as an additional language that the excuse could be made that the standards can't go up. Right. I'm, I'm, if Denby Primary School, yeah. Denby High School can yeah. do it, yeah. so can every right. other school Absolutely. in this town. Absolutely. All right. All right. So on, on that note, let me go back. To, let me go to my uh, next guest here in the studio, Brother Hisham Parker. Hopefully you've 
been able to get a bit of a a breather and uh, some some uh, some water. What's your what's your view on this report, Brother Hisham? Right, and uh, of course you're a governor in one of the schools, right? Mm -hmm. Locally, so you're quite actively involved. Uh, you've been actively and uh, you know been a strong voice in terms of Ofsted and some of the policies of Ofsted in some of the schools. Uh, a number of faith schools have, have been included in this. So we're, we're having a general discussion. I don't have a home into a particular school or, or two, right? So generally, what's your analysis on and what's your feel? On, on it is is it offstead is it a school issue Where, where's the problem here uh, i think trying to simplify it to one one item uh, yeah. would be oversimplistic actually yeah um it is a combination of all these factors yeah. uh, as uh, the councillor mentioned as well um but um having been through a number of offsteads uh seeing different frameworks yeah this particular framework or the most recent framework which is now changed this year actually mm. um has been very result driven Okay, mm. so focused on outcomes of learning in a, in a mathematical and statistical sense mm. for the children and less focused on other areas of the curriculum, on its breadth, or what it's trying to achieve, etc. Um, we do have a problem in Luton. In but but is, isn't that a good thing then, if, if it's outcome-based orientation? Um, right? yeah, yes and no. Yeah. Yes and no, right? Mm. Um, why I say no, uh, in the sense that it, Luton, uh, we do. Well, it's going to follow on. We do have mm. a problem in Luton with results. Mm. Not in all schools, mm. uh, admittedly, mm. but overall, um, Luton averages are below the national average, mm. very clearly. Right. Okay. Um, why is that? Um, people may say it's English as additional language. People may say uh, it's uh, a problem attracting the right staff to uh, attend Luton schools. What I will tell you is, uh, uh, an excellent head teacher makes for an excellent school. Right, excellent. Okay, let let me go on to uh, Brother Abdul Wudus, who's on the, who's patiently on on the on on the line, w w listening to all of this conversation happening here. Now, you know, you know, another thing that caught my attention, Abdul Wudud, was the number of faith schools, right, that were in this list, right. So, like I said, I don't want to literally name all of the faith schools, but it suffices to say. There were five faith schools, Islamic faith school, schools, right, that all have been categorized as requiring improvement uh, with one, you know, labeled inadequate. Now, you're also representing and, and from uh, one of those Islamic schools, right? What's the what's the issue here? Is, is it resourcing? Is it Ofsted being awkward? You know, I, I, you know, firstly, what is it? And, and secondly, what's your game plan to get the house in order, uh, Brother Abdul Wadud? Okay, um, I guess from our perspective, it's really quite simple, to be honest. Um, being an independent school, um, mm. we position ourselves in a situation whereby we choose to run a school um, based on um, fees that are coming from parents um, yeah. and, and maybe other income streams. And based on that, we uh, establish what resources we need to then meet the necessary offset standards. Right. Um, and inshallah from there obviously provide an adequate education so from our perspective it's as simple as that now where we are at the moment as a school sorry sorry when you say sorry when you say it's simple as that that surely means that the fees and the resources that are coming in are, are satisfactory to allow you to meet the targets being set by offset but clearly their report saying that it isn't the case yes so so where's the, the gap for yeah, so the, the challenge for us is to make sure that we have a sound enough business model yeah. and sound enough uh, infrastructure to meet the standards. So where we've fallen short, I believe, if I was to be brutally honest, is that in our particular case, I think there's been a bit of mismanagement. 
Right. Um, with regards to the school over the last few years. Right. Um, there's a new team in place, and that team's been in place for just over 18 months. And in that period of time, we've gone from being inadequate, meeting two-thirds of the independent school standards, to now being a required improvement um, and meeting um, close to all of the independent school standards. So we've made massive improvements right. um, in the past uh, past year, 12 to 18 months. So yeah. we're really a growing school at the moment. Uh, we're on the upward trajectory. Right. Um, from our perspective as well, um, the requirements of Ofsted, um, yeah, at times they can be difficult. They can yeah. can be a bit harsh. But in the main, to be honest, it's, it's there to provide a good, healthy uh, education and a safe environment for the kids. So we embrace it. Right, um, and we're we're happy to kind of follow suit. Right, I mean, I mean, it sounds positive in terms of what you're describing to me. It requires improvement, of course. It's still not satisfactory. I, 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 th- I think we'll all agree the fact that we need to be targeting that that next, you know, band which is good, uh, and ultimately, you know, if we can get there, the outstanding. Uh, of course, it, the key thing is providing a good education to to our. Uh, our youngsters, our children, and Islam really emphasizes that. I mean, a wider question for you. I mean, five faith schools in in, in this in in this kind of bracket. A- any particular reason for that? Yeah, I think you know. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's quite difficult. You put me on the spot to speak on behalf so, of other. No, schools, no. I'm just a general general comment. You don't have yeah, to. I'm, I'm not just, naming anyone. No, no. I, th- I think just as a general comment. Yeah. And and I hope the other schools that are listening in. Um, they forgive me for saying this, but I think sometimes, um, as faith schools, sometimes um, the way we approach uh, certain things, um, the expectations that we set ourselves, the standards that we set ourselves, maybe are a little bit different right. um, to what they should be. And I right. think what we need to do is we need to raise the bar a little bit. Okay. We need to have different expectations and standards of ourselves. Right. Uh, and inshallah, you know, as Muslims, we should be aspiring for the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, okay. not for the not for bottom or, or second rate service. We should right. provide a first rate service. All right, that that's enough of uh, of grilling the the, the faith based schools. Let's come back to the studio and and let's uh, come back to Brother Hisham, and uh, Councillor Mahmoud Hussein. Right. So you you know, uh, let me go to Hisham. Right. So Hisham, what, what is it, what what does it take, right, to be be that you know that, that good. Right, you know, uh, gonna bracket school, right? What does it take to be that outstanding school, right? Now, I'm not gonna mention names, but you know, my 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 son, right, goes to a, an Islamic-based school, uh, of course, not in Luton, in London, and that school year on year is an outstanding cl- category. You know, it's got the category, or, you know, the band of outstanding by Ofsted, right? Of course, the fees are a lot higher than the fees locally. I mean, you know, they 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 almost double, if not, you know, almost two and a half times the fees locally is that the answer to, to a lot of our problems do you think or is it bigger than that right and i'm not just talking about faith-based schools i'm talking about other you know the normal state schools right which you know you're you represent right where they have got the funding coming from the government okay fair enough there's been cuts but we we had examples of a lot of schools that are achieving those you know good results um yeah i mean it's not just funding. The mm-hmm. funding is part of the issue. Yeah. Uh, aspirations, the brother mentioned there, uh, aspirations and standards, uh, expectations. Uh, I, th- and I think we're missing one, one loop here. Yeah. Uh, the schooling system is a partnership, a partnership yeah. between uh, the LEA, the school, the teachers yeah. The par- yeah. and, and the parents and the children. Yeah. Uh, and 
I think we haven't actually mentioned in the, all of this that yeah. parents and children also have a role. Yeah. Uh, and alhamdulillah, a lot more uh, brothers and sisters are coming forward and stepping forward and taking roles in the governing body. Yeah. Because this is the body that controls mm. um, the running of the school or yeah. oversees the running of the school, is yeah. responsible for it. Yeah. Uh, and we need more people to be interested in their children to be uh, articulate and motivated and challenge the school and challenge mm -hmm. the LEA mm -hmm. where we think performance is substandard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, And the, the standards are high in, uh, compared to maybe when me and you were at school. Mm -hmm. uh, the expectations of what a child should be able to do at the ages of 6, 7, 8 to 11 uh, I think are significantly higher than they were previously. Yeah. Uh, and um, do we have the resources in Luton? If not, why can't we attract the, the best head teachers? Why can't mm. we attract the best teachers? Why mm. can't we retain teachers? For example, uh, in one year we had to re recruit seven newly qualified teachers. Wow. Wow. Now, seven mm. newly qualified teachers mm. uh, in a year, um, that's a challenge because mm. a newly qualified teacher is not uh, as settled as an experienced teacher. Yeah. Uh, but they are expected to be able to manage a class of 30 children in the same way. Oh. Right? So. Why can why can Luton not attract the best and retain the best? Right. So so let's go to uh, Councillor Mahmoud and ask that question, Councillor Councillor Sab. I mean, uh, okay, we, we've got a we've got a, a caller. All right. So we'll we'll come on to uh, Brother Ashfar Chaudhry in, in a minute. But but Councillor Sab, I mean that that question there with regards to the council LEA, right? The partnership. Mm -hmm. I think he, uh, Isham makes a fantastic point. Of course, the parents are, need to be an active participant in in all of this, right? There needs to be accountability. There needs to be you know this this questions that are being asked, right? I mean, it's all great saying that, that we haven't got an inadequate schools and and with this and with that. But the reality is at the moment is you know a lot of our schools are, are falling well below the standard or, or not up there in terms of good and outstanding, right? Yeah. We need to see more of that. Yeah, I, th this is what I said right at yeah. the beginning, yeah. that it, it, it is a partnership between the local authority, yeah. the parents, the governors, yeah. you know, and the leadership of the school. Yeah. The governors play a very vital role to yeah. challenge the school yeah. and the parents too. Yeah. But more importantly, yeah. I think it is that if a school and the, 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 there are people will make a different uh, excuses for not improvement, yeah. be that may English as an additional deprivation. Yeah. Now, I give you another example yeah. of the top five schools in the country. Yeah. One of them happens to be in Luton. Tennyson Primary, I was very proud when Tennyson Primary received key stage two result, 100%, right. and the Minister uh, for Children's Services writes to it and yeah. says, well done. Right. You know, that is something in the deprived area of Luton. Mm. If they can do it, what is the excuse for anybody else? Okay. So I accept there are children, you know, teacher shortages. I accept the resources are, mm. but it is also at, with the parents as well as the right. leadership, it is, it is a joint partnership between all of right. And it is not just my, the local authority, sure. but I think we should all challenge and not accept right. that if the results are not improved. Okay, so I've, I've got a new new guest on, on the line. I'm going to introduce the guest very quickly. But I, in, in the meantime, I want to give you a question to, to think about and to, uh, before I come back to you. And that's what happens next and how do we turn this around? That's going to be my question to you before we wrap it up because we're coming towards the end of the half an hour slot. But Ashfaq Chaudhry, uh, Assalamu alaikum and welcome to uh, Friday night. 
Night Live. Uh, hopefully you've been listening to this conversation that we've been having for the last 20 minutes or, or so. Uh, and, and you're, of course, from Al-Hikma School. What's your take on this, uh, Ashfaq Bhai? Because we have discussed this previously with yourself here in the studio also. Okay, so just wanted to add a few points. My yeah. brother Abdul Wadud, I think, has very eloquently uh, put forward some of the issues that are there. I actually see the cup actually half full rather than half empty. Right. I see a lot of our schools are now being taken over by the new generation who are now doing a fantastic job of right. them. Right. Uh, they're turning those schools around. Abdul Wadud is probably a classical example of that. Classical example of that, you know, who is actually right. now turning a school around. As far as we are concerned, one of the tricks I think one of our schools or many of our schools are missing, is the ability to be able to network with other private schools. We decided to join the IISA, the, or the Independent Schools Alliance, which established many hundred years back. And since joining, we've now also not been inspected by Austers, rather being inspected by ISI, which is another inspectorate, which inspectors the majority of the independent schools in this country. We get regular help and support from them. They come and do mock audits. Right. And there's but, but, a huge amount of courses that our teachers are now going on for uh, Ash, improvement. Ashfaq, if, if I come back to you, I mean, in the report that I've got in front of me is dated 2016 for, you know, uh, Al-Higma Secondary School. So it's been a few years. Uh, I, I don't know what the latest status okay, so first is. Of all, first of all, that report is not relevant. Okay. Because we're not an officer school or an ISI school. Our okay. report you will get on ISI's website. Right. We show that the school is fully compliant with all the reg regulations okay. or the independent school standards. Okay. The only recommendation you'll see there is they want us to register boys and girls schools separately right okay and, and the general question that i ask abdul wudud i mean in terms of the faith schools where where's the big big challenge is it just that traditional mindset change between what previously was the threshold and the kind of criteria we set ourselves when setting up the schools versus what are the modern day challenges of schools and what is expected from those schools is it that transition think, that's being made is that what, what the issue is i think it? i think i think our schools are going through that transition but right. one of the biggest support would be to actually join the bigger body right. of schools which is thousands of independent schools together so that's one of the leaps many of our schools need to do yeah. the other thing is i won't be as kind about Ofsted because i've had personal experience yeah. and Ofsted often and you would have seen this week in the news where king david school in manchester yeah. who basically have now overturned the ruling from inadequate to outstanding right. i mean how could a school within 10 days overturn this entire thing wow. so all credibility is greatly in question whenever right. it comes to muslims yeah. you would see when it comes to hijab hijab the Ofsted yes. has a certain standing when yeah. it comes to faith schools Ofsted yeah. has a different stance Correct. so i won't be as kind to Ofsted at all really no 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 exactly so the question's out there and that's why i said is it Ofsted being awkward or is it the schools really underperforming right so i'm happy to you know to to for, for that to be challenged and, and for you know, that to be corrected we can't say none of the school none of the schools yeah. are underperforming but yeah. i would say the majority of the schools right. are actually turning themselves around and right. becoming even better another said for us yeah the Ofsted is, is history we're yeah. actually an isi school uh, and the report is well so, online you so, see all standards uh, are so so, so that, that's interesting unfortunately gents right we're, we're going to go into commercial break in 30 seconds but i don't want to you know i don't want to prematurely end our conversation here so if, if you can just hold on for couple of minutes i want to come back i want to try to tie these threads together and say what is it that needs to happen right to, to get that turnaround in, in our community in our schools whatever the, the the limitations are what do we need to do what's the action plan and what is the partnership that is required from parents because a lot of parents are listening to me and are probably just you know listening and, and not getting involved quite at, at this stage it is uh, friday night live you are with me hafiz shaban we're going to a commercial break we'll be back in a couple of seconds until then assalamu alaikum
Assalamualaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live this Friday, uh, the 11th of October evening. Uh, it's now 7:30, and we are fast approaching towards that eight o'clock mark for the end of the show. Uh, been fantastic, in tra- very interesting conversations and discussions all evening. Uh, Jazakallah for all of those, all of you who have got involved. Still not had that first phone call that I'm waiting for this evening. So you know who's going to be brave enough and pick up that phone and dial 015-015824-81822 to speak to us here in the studio, because we're talking about a subject which should be concerning, or which should be of concern to all of the parents listening to the show, and that's the education of your children. Education of your children. Are you satisfied with the education of your children? 21 Luton schools rated inadequate requires improvement by Ofsted. To me, raises a lot of questions, and we're trying to get some answers to those questions. But you know what? As Brother Hisham said earlier, it's about getting those parents involved too, and it's about you parents picking up the phone and raising your concerns, right? Raising your concerns now, and also raising your concerns to the schools, raising your concerns with the council, raising your schools with uh, concerns with the governors, right? Getting your views across, and I feel that our community does a lot of listening and doesn't quite do enough talking. And some, someone might correct me and say, yeah, we do a lot of talking, dude, but we don't do any action, right? So we need some action, right? So very kindly, my panelists have agreed to stay behind another couple of minutes. And I want to wrap up this conversation with a question. And that's what are we going to do about this, right? What are we going to do about it? We've talked about the problem. We've talked about, you know, what are the potential reasons for this problem. We've talked about some of the potential areas that we can improve upon. Practically, what are we going to do about it, right? So we're in this transition phase. It may be Ofsted being a bit awkward, not quite happy with some of our faith schools, and therefore branding them, you know, the way they've branded them. I, I, I get that, and I hate that, and there is a legitimate concern. I appreciate that, right? But we can't always use the blame game, right? So I want to go straight to Abdul Wadud, uh, Ashfaq Chaudhry after that. And, I, and my question is, what are we going to do? You've already, some of you have already described the transitional phase that you're in, but what are you going to practically do to turn this around and give me a time frame before I can, you know, very gladly announce on a Friday Night Live that you've gone from requiring improvement to good or to outstanding. Abdul Wadud. Inshallah, it should be the, the latter. Um, what we're going to do is two things. One is, like we've been doing for the last 12 months, we're working hard day and night relentlessly, and that's no over-exaggeration to put the right infrastructure in place that's sustainable, um, that's there for years to come to turn this school around. Um, and what does that mean in practical sense? That means having good people, um, having the right organization, right system, right procedures, also the right attitude more than anything, changing the mindset of, of the staff, the parents, the students, so that they understand the expectations that, that, that are set. Um, one of the things that I probably inherited in the school when we took over was, was um, an attitude that, you know, maybe we can accept second best. Mm. Well, alhamdulillah, I can tell you for certain that that attitude is slowly but surely turning Fantastic. around. Fantastic. Hence, hence mm. why the improvements, I think, are in place. Right. One final thing for me. Um, if you could I mean, also include a time frame for me, I mean, I'd be interested to, to, yeah, to no, know think, what, what, what do you think, think is realistic? 
Yeah, I think realistically, time frame-wise for us, you know, we're, we're anticipating another ex- inspection sometime in the next calendar year. Right. So from from our perspective, you know, sometime within the next 12 months, before, you know, before that inspection or when that inspection occurs, right. we should have turned things around. Um, that's the that's the um, kind that's of um, time frame that we've given right. ourselves. All right, uh, uh, brother so Blubudu, that. Uh, brother I was just going to say one okay. other thing. Okay, go on. Brother Hisham mentioned a really good point about. Uh, we need in the support of the parents. Yeah. I think it's not just the parents that we need the support of, mm. but we also need the support of the wider community as well. Many yeah. people in the community have many skills that they can offer, yeah. not just the faith-based schools, but also the maintained schools. You know, yeah. roll up your sleeves and give us an hour or two of your expertise because you've got a lot to offer and right. we can really do that. Right, fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, Brother Abdul-Wadud. Jazakallah heron for, for your comments and for your contribution this evening. Uh, Brother Ashfaq Jodri. Yeah, let me go back. As I said, I labor on the point again, is yeah. that, as I said, the offset category is not relevant to us. Uh, yeah. Our position of our school at the moment is, all, you know, all our requirements have been met. Yeah. And we're looking forward to our next ISI inspection in the next academic year, where we have invested very heavily into leadership, yeah. resources, into new teaching. And inshallah, you know, our target in that inspection, at the moment, we, we meet the standards. And in that inspection, we hope to meet the standards and if not, excel in those. So that's our target going forward. Uh, I mean, if if I was to tell you to use the Richter scale, right, to use the Ofsted, are you confident that you would be in that outstanding category, Ashfaq Jodhri? Uh, well, first of all, uh, I think, you know, the Ofsted uh, outstanding is quite a myth, really, to be okay. honest with you. Okay. There are uh, schools that are outstanding which have been, haven't been inspected for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, what that tells you is, is absolutely nothing. I mean, two sets of GCSEs have gone and come by. Mm. Our target is to be good all the time. Mm. Outstanding is quite a mythical standard. In fact, I think the chief inspector of Ofsted also thinks not much about it. Right. The idea is the schools have to be good all the time. Right. Schools are not perfect places, yeah. but our target is to be good all the time right. with the kind of funding we got. If we right. can double it, like Islamia, or triple it, yeah. then inshallah, we know we want to take it Fantastic. to even, even, even better if. All right. Jazakallah, brother Shfaq Right. I'm going to come to uh, brother Hisham. And before I do, I've got a, another contributor who's sent in a social media message. Uh, I don't know if he wants me to read his name or not. But anyway, he was a governor in a local school and was squeezed out for challenging the head teacher. Right. Head teacher. Uh, head- Heads handpick the governors and remove those that challenge and ask for accountability. This makes governing bodies really weak and doesn't reflect or represent the community, right? Just bear that in mind. I don't, I don't know if you want to comment on that or not. But, but Brother Hisham, during that break, we were discussing about what, what do we need to do to, to, to turn this around? What are the practical act- actions that, that really need to happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to speak from a parent and yeah. a governor's perspective. Yeah. Get involved, people. Yeah. Do not accept yeah. second best for your yeah. children. Yeah. This is about aspiration. Yeah. right? And if your aspirations are that you want the best for your children yeah. and you will challenge that, yeah. you will get the best, inshallah. And this, this means being proactive with your school, yeah. what, what's happening with the results of the school, school ch- what tracking. are the resources, yeah. Yeah. What, what, you know, what is the school using, not using, you know, ch- and, and pushing. Your yeah. Challenge your school, uh, volunteer for the roles. There's always roles available yeah. usually as governing yeah. bodies. Yeah. Uh, the brother on the, on the social media yeah. 
mentioned about uh, sometimes challenging governors are yeah. sidetracked. But if you yeah. have a good governing body yeah. that holds on, right. you know, they can they can challenge effectively. Right. You know, you know, I think this deserves another show sometime later, inshallah, in, in our schedule and in our calendar, because the producers are telling me to make a move on and move on to the next story. <laughs> but Jazakallah, Brother Hisham, for coming into the studio and, you know, okay. giving us your valuable time. Very quickly, uh, Councillor Saab, Mahmoud Hussain Saab, you know, from a council perspective, tell me something that will be music to my ears and to yeah, a lot of parents. I, I what are you doing about it? It is incumbent on all of us, not yeah. just the councillor. Yeah. It is the parents, the governing body yeah. and the community and the society as a whole yeah. not to accept failure. Yeah. Expectation, the, tar- what is, what does that the target must be very high. Yeah. All schools yeah. have it set a target yeah. and they must achieve those and yeah. no, nothing should be accepted yeah. in terms of excuses. But, but does that mean the council is going to be ploughing in more money, more resources? I think that's what the parents I, want to hear. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing the parents, you know, the psychological messages come to me. I'm not seeing them physically come to me, but I think they want to hear these kind of things that the council is going to do practically, put some more money, put some more resources I, I, into, into the local schooling. The council used to receive 110 million pounds. Right. Next year, yeah. we'll be lucky if we get 10 million. You know, that 100 million cut right. by the government. Right. So council hasn't got it, but the government has committed right. in the spending review right. that they will put more money okay. into schools. Uh, unfortunately, we have run out of time 10 minutes ago, uh, but I want to thank you, uh, Brother Abdul Wadud, uh, Brother Ashfaq Chaudhry on the telephone, Jazakallah, and I want to thank in the studio, Brother Hisham Parker and Councillor uh, Mahmoud Hussein for your valuable time and for coming into the studio. Gentlemen, Jazakallah, thank you very much. Inshallah, we're going to park that conversation until a future date because I think hour in its own right uh, for, a, for a future conversation inshallah ta'ala. Uh, listeners you are with me Hafi Shaban on, on Friday Night Live uh, and we've been having a, a great conversation I'm, I'm moving into the, my last 15 minutes of this evening right and you know what I'm going to move on to a, a rather different story now a positive story uh, again it caught my attention earlier this week mashallah right you know we cover a lot of negative stories right uh, uh, a, a lot of times on our, on our uh, on Friday Night Live and I'm always complaining that we don't cover some of these positive stories right uh, and then here lo and behold this this week I, I, I pick up the press and, and I see a positive story and I say hey this is a story that we should be covering uh, but it's a story with a change right you, you're gonna be a bit surprised by this story I, I guess my listeners right it's about uh, what, what, what is this story about this story is about uh, lemon crispy chicken <laughs> lemon, lemon crispy chicken. I mean, that's a, a, a big, big difference from the stories I've been cover, covering earlier. But w- what does lemon crispy chicken mean to you, my dear listeners? Right? Does that make or sound like anything that you're at all familiar with? Right? That that's. A, let me let, let me ask my listeners to send in their messages zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two or zero one five eight two four eight one eight double two number here in the studio I t- I t- I'll, I'll solve the riddle for you uh, lemon crispy chicken is a takeaway right it's a takeaway in Luton and it's been shortlisted uh, it's been shortlisted in the takeaway of the year category wow Ta- can you believe that potentially we've got the takeaway of the year south category right here in Luton right so I read this article 
and uh, and mashallah i mean there's some good stuff here man this is some good, good stuff here right so a delighted luton business has been announced as a finalist in the sixth annual food awards england 2019 now what, what really caught my attention right was not only the fact that it's been shortlisted as a as a takeaway of the year south category right and these awards are going to be taking place next this week i think or is it next week next week right 14th of october but when i actually read the article i mean it was great news to see that this uh, this takeaway is actually doing more than just serving up tasty food to its customers actually also getting involved actively with the community and also actually addressing a problem with homelessness and actually feeding some of his food to the homeless people fantastic stuff i thought let's get in someone from the takeaway and if i but if i believe correctly i've got brother uh, is it sayyid shafiq hussein shazab mashallah yes. right so you're on Mike for so let me uh, put your mic up in Shalafal. So firstly, welcome and salam alaikum to uh, Friday Night Live and, and Inspire FM. I, don't, I think it's your first time here in the studio, so do, nothing to be intimidated by or to be scared about. Be, be uh, totally comfortable in So welcome mm. to the to the show. Uh, thank you very right. much. Thank uh, you very much. And, and even if you want to speak a bit of uh, you know Patwari and uh, a bit Urdu, we, we, we can we no, can no, entertain that. I don't, that. I, I don't English, really whatever. mind. Right. It's okay. So, so it's you're, okay. you're good. All right, that's good. So so tell me about w- w- what happened here and uh, tell me about the story and tell it tell the listeners about the story yeah i'm sure from uh, lemon crispy chicken and pizza uh, all better out luton yeah uh i've been into the uh food industry for yeah. like good 15 years 15 years yeah so this takeaway you've had it for 15 no, years no, no no i didn't have a, but i've been personally into yeah. the food industry for 15 years but this takeaway yeah. i recently opened in 2017 may 2017 right. i came up with the idea 2017 yeah 2017 may 2017 right yeah. right okay so 2017 uh, no, normally when i send out messages bro it takes so long to get messages already people are messaging in Lemon crispy chicken, love it. Very clean takeaway, tasty and consistent. Wow, that, yeah, that's fantastic. You, yeah. you must have paid him before you came in, right? Yeah. And then we've got another message from Asif here. Alhamdulillah, good food. <laughs> so these guys are doing free marketing for you here, right? We're, we're, we're going to have to charge you a prize for the end, no, end problem. of this. No problem. Oh, all, right, all right, let's go back. To, let's go back to the story. Here. Let's go back to the story. Look at this strips and and, and chips zindabad, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got social media on a roll here, man. Mashallah. All right, let's yeah. go back to the story, Mashallah. Go on. So basically, I uh, was into the industry for a very long time so yeah. i always had in my mind to yeah. go something beyond the uh you know it's typical takeaway yeah, thing yeah, exactly. something innovative yeah. something yeah. new in the takeaway yeah because there are two types of takeaway in, in, in this in this industry you go yeah. uh, high end and a bottom end yes so right. the high end people they obviously they're just to make yeah. money yes they yes. they are not there to yes. serve communities or anything right. they just make money they give, right. give you good food they yeah. give you good hygiene good yeah. everything yeah. services yeah. but they charge you silly money for that yeah. Yeah. the bottom end people yeah. they try to fill you up with a cheap filler as well yes. but yes. they're not giving you that good service or yes. that good food yes. so basically our generation they're growing up eating yeah. most of these foods right that there needs to be something right that is a bit of healthy touch as well yes. a bit of fast food and yes. clean yes and uh that's why I came up with the idea to just to, I had a lot of experience in this yes, industry so yes, yes. I came up with the idea yeah. a bit of healthy touch in the food yes, right and the service wise the area I've chosen uh, uh, that was not very good for the business because that was the failed the premises was the failed takeaway for past say yeah. 20 years right right so the the community in that area yeah. they were really they were really fed up Yeah. with these takeaways they yeah. come in and go in yeah. no one is staying there in the place yeah. Yeah. that was wow. just because they were not that good in the wow. in the food wow. so from the beginning when i started yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the building because I, I knew what the health and safety rules yeah. and regulations say yeah, yeah. I went by the rules yeah, yeah. so that Good. gave me a little edge yeah you know basically our people they yeah their premises are not very clean that's yeah, the main they, they, issue that's uh, major so, so majority I, I was gonna say that i mean normally when i hear the press right i hear the press uh, especially when it comes to takeaways it's always for the negative reasons it's not for yeah. the positive reasons yeah. and that's why i thought let's cover this story because <laughs> it was for a positive reason right so which, yeah. which is great right so i hear that that you've you you came 2017 you've turned it around and and of course i mean this award you didn't nominate yourself or did, you didn't i didn't you, even know i, I just found out when it, i received the email yeah you received an email and you found out so yeah. who actually nominated you that they were the, my customer they love the wow. customer what they which is fantastic yeah. right yeah. so it's actually that actually speaks volumes when your customers are the ones who nominate yeah. the, your, you as a takeaway to say you know what these guys should be the the best and like i said to you i mean we've got plenty of social media messages coming here saying strips and uh, and chips in that bar and free food laughing out loud <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. uh so we're getting we're getting some uh, we're getting some good messages so so your customers nominated you for this award right so yeah. you must have been really uh but taken i'm by, taken really by grateful that. yeah but I, was, I was surprised because yeah. i've I was getting mentally. I was getting ready for probably next year yes. that I should go for it. Yes. But I didn't know I'm gonna yeah. get nominated yes. this year because wow. from when when I started, I started yeah. with the mind yes. something with with the qualities yeah. and the services of the yeah. top end yeah. in the bottom community. Yes. So the yeah. idea it worked really well because. Wow. Of, you know hard work always yes pays, it always so. pays off right yeah. so so for the listeners right so when when the producers told me that they've got their owner coming in right so i said you know i really can't talk about this story unless you bring some food in man so i gotta, <laughs> I gotta try some food to be able to really talk about it so i can actually smell it have you i think you've bought some food in man. i can smell it so i'm really looking forward to going into the into the other room and, and trying some of this delicious food inshallah but you know you talk about you know uh bringing some kind of a healthy element to it what what what, what, uh, what basically Was, uh, there, there was a company in uh, Essex and Luton. Yeah. Uh, it started last year. Yeah. Uh, there were some uh, uh, charities and uh, some uh, NGOs. They were right. they were putting some healthy stuff in the yeah. f- uh, existing takeaways. Yeah. They chose the takeaways over four star and five star hygiene yes. rating takeaways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got our, our people to train yes. how to make the fast food right. healthier. Yes. So we're using uh, less cholesterol yeah. oils. Yes. We're using less salts. Okay. We use uh, less sugars right. and uh, no energy drinks at all. Right. We no, don't sell any energy drink in our shops. Right, right. Just because uh, uh, you know, it's, it's we, we we recommend more the diet drinks and waters and. You, you must just sell water, man, and, and recommend people. No, no, we 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 selling all the drinks. Yeah, it's not yeah. that, but but, but the energy drinks, you're right. A- energy drinks, we just completely sugar. cough. No, so right. we said no to energy Fantastic. drinks because that's Internet. not good for the kids. Right. And. Uh, um, uh, and we didn't compromise any taste you know that right. the good thing is yeah it's it's not that food uh, wouldn't give you the same taste we yeah. we, we kept our uh, recipes yeah and we put that touch healthier touch right. so it's a little, little change but it yeah. does make big right. difference on the long run right so. okay i'm i'm going to come on to another point but before that let me t- t- let me tell you i drive past your takeaway almost every day because i drop off my son or pick up my son from this train station and i always see the takeaway on the left and, I, and, and you know what i have to be honest and i have to say i always see pee, pee, quite a lot of people inside which which is always a positive sign right so here goes that i'm sure Tariq's going to be listening who's the, who's the operations manager yeah. at inspire family is going to be saying look i'm giving you free marketing here and and free publicity but i'm sure we can drive it in with a with a sponsorship deal brother Tariq, right that's going to be my case but you know what what was really fantastic right about you know what the article is 
your also your partnership or your support of the homeless people. Tell me about that. Well, you know, how basically that, that area, the yeah. high town, and then that yeah. area. Yeah. If you if you know that area, yeah. there are so many people in the evening. They just uh, near the train just, station. Just near I, the, I know train about the train station. station that yeah. area. Yeah. So as soon as we open, yeah. they know there is a food shop. So yeah. they were coming late night. Yeah. Is there anything left over? Yeah. That that's what they were asking. Leftover yeah. food. Yeah. So. I deliberately make some extra at the end, yeah, so yeah. I know they're coming. They come every day, so they're regular. They're my regulars. They're <laughs> quite good. They come so, every so day. So you've got regulars, so who, regulars who, yeah. who order they, to whatever, right, yeah. and come in and buy. Yeah. And then you've got regulars who come right at the end, yeah. who, who you know yeah. they're going to come that's for food, mashallah, it. man. So that, yeah. that's good sadaqah yeah. also, Jari, at, at yeah. the same yeah. time. And of course, you know, it yeah. goes to actually conf- uh, confirm the, the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu that sadaqah, it never decreases your wealth. Yeah. It always increases your wealth. Uh, look at that, subhanAllah, because of that gesture that you actually were, were doing, that's what I read. And I thought, you know what, we need to cover this story. This is yeah. this is fantastic. And you see, this is the the the, the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases the rizq yeah, out of the ways that yeah. you can never imagine. But but tell me about it, because of, of course you're feeding them, but I, are you also having a conversation with these people who are coming in for food? Are you able to spend a bit of a couple of minutes, maybe bring in some 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 people to have, have a conversation with them, try to give them a bit of Basically, help them if, if I be honest, you know, in, 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 in the takeaways, you don't mm. get that much No, time. you're busy, it's you're busy. busy. It's, it's busy. You are, yeah, yeah. I do ask them how you're doing, how yeah, you're keeping yeah, people in well, valley, yeah. are you having yeah. a warm night? Yeah. These kind of questions, but yeah. no much time to be honest. No, I would use some of our partners like you know the uh, we've got the Dawah Center and Discover Islam and some of these other organizations who, who kind of specialize in those areas and say to them, look, we've got a number of people who are coming on a long-term basis, especially if they're your regular customers, right? And then it's like the, the you know the proverb, instead of giving them fish every day, teach them how to fish, how to fish you yeah. solve the problem. Yeah. It's great what you're doing, right? But it's about you know giving them a long-term solution. And some of these brothers, you know, they would be fantastic, they would be more than willing to come along yeah. one evening and meet some of these people interact with them and maybe you know you know get a shelter over their head yeah. maybe get get them a job maybe, maybe they get them back on their feet in terms of a, a long term solution for them but anyway fantastic uh, last quick question inshallah so are you optimistic are you are you are you uh, are you excited by what's uh, what's about to happen next week are you, are you, are you convinced that you're going to be able to to win the award itself what's your feeling uh, i'm confident i think yeah. i'm going to the sport i'm seeing for the last two weeks yeah. from the customers and from the community that's seriously yeah so when when uh, when this story went to press what what what, what was the reaction what 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 what, what happened uh, basically, they found me. The press found me, yeah. uh, but for the, to interview me, I, yeah. I was busy at work. They found me, so <laughs> yeah. I'm, you I'm you always, have to make time. I'm you're always busy, busy yeah. So yeah. especially after this story, I'm getting too busy. But there's so it. many people they come in to say, yeah, we'll, we'll get your autograph and we'll get your pictures yeah, in, yeah. in the studio before you become. A, 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 uh, no, no, I don't want to be a celebrity. I just <laughs> just want to stay in my community and just just a little corner shop. It's not a big thing, but Alhamdulillah, I'm trying to be more. More good for my community, yeah. so um, it's 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 good. I'm more confident next week. I'm I'm inshallah gonna get inshallah. That uh, okay, jazakallah. Yeah. We've we've run out of time, but stay in touch, inshallah. And we do wish you all all the best. The black tie ceremony. So are you gonna be going to Manchester Piccadilly next week? Yes. Yeah, um, you're yeah. gonna be going to Manchester Piccadilly. Excellent, inshallah. So have a safe trip to Manchester and uh, let us know what happens. And uh, you know, send us some of the pictures to our you know number here on Inspire FM, inshallah. And we'll 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 get an update to our listeners. Next week, inshallah ta'ala. No problem. Thank Jazakallah you very much. So, uh, so listeners, th- this is uh, Brother Sayyid uh, Shafiq. Shafiq Hussein Shah Saab of uh, uh, 
uh, what was the takeaway name again? A lemon crispy chicken, is, is that right? A lemon crispy chicken. Lemon crispy chicken, mashallah, all better. Jazakallah, brother. And thank you very much for coming into the studio. Uh, thank you very much. Jazakallah. All right, listeners, uh, th that was uh, Friday Night Live uh, this evening, inshallah, and that was a, a fantastic positive story uh, to finish off this evening's show. Uh, we've been covering a number of stories. I just want to give a quick, quick uh, reminder uh, about the lead story that when we started uh, almost a good two hours ago, right? And that was on the update from the Kashmir earthquake, right? Kashmir earthquake update. Uh, and the brothers out in Mirpur, uh, message from them was, you know, Pakistan and the people of Mirpur need our support, need our help. So I just want to emphasize that, right? Because uh, a lot of us, I personally also thought, okay, I know there's been some damage and there's been some fatalities but it hasn't been quite that bad but i tell you what i was a bit surprised because one of our local residents uh brother bashar has been out in pakistan himself i've sent i've seen the videos that he sent over i've seen some of the pictures that he sent over of people living in makeshift camps right uh, so you'd be very surprised the weather at the moment is still fairly uh, fairly hot out there at the moment uh, temperatures are going to be starting to drop shortly right uh, so those people need your support inshallah so do not forget them in your du'as and definitely you know don't forget them in terms of the material support that you can offer them right we've covered a number of stories this evening uh, and you know what i mean normally these are the kind of stories that i'm covering that catch my attention but if something catches is your attention why don't you message me right why don't you message me and say you know what hey guys you know why don't you cover this on friday night live and you know what we might consider covering it uh, but let me do something what i've never done before right i'm going to give you a preview into one of the stories that i'm going to be covering next week right next week i've got a very special guest coming into the studio and that's our own local local right uh MMA fighter, right? MMA fighter, Lutonian, right? Who's uh, who's got an upcoming fight that's coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, and he's going to be coming into the studio, brother Faisal. Brother Fess is going to be coming here in the studio and he's going to be telling me about his upcoming fight. So I'm going to be interviewing Fessel next week, inshallah. I also want to cover next week uh, the, the current, you know, uh, Pakistan and China belt, right? This, this huge investment that's going in between Pakistan and China. I want to do a bit of a deep dive next week and cover what's, what are some of the projects that are going on and really whose benefit is all of, this, all of these projects and all of this investment, all of this debt that Pakistan is taking on, right? But that's for next week as for this week do leave your thoughts do leave your messages with the with us uh, here in the studio uh, and that's about it until next week assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh from me hafi shaban friday night night thank you for listening to our podcast why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton